All right, welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my great co-host, Kenny. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about the long-anticipated episode for My Hero Academia. Uh, this episode has been basically forecasted for a while now, and for whatever reason, we've just kept putting it off. And finally, I asked Kennedy the other day, what are we going to do on the podcast this week? And he said, let's just do My Hero. Let's get it out the way. So I am so excited because this is one of my absolute favorite anime. Um, it It just has a lot of the things that I liked about the original Naruto, and I'm probably going to compare it to Naruto a lot. Because before Naruto became Shippuden and only focused on Naruto and Sasuke, I feel like it was one of the greatest animes ever. And You know, funnily enough, uh, literally today, I mean, when you're hearing this, you're hearing this tomorrow, but we're recording this anyway. on Tuesday. Yes. Anyway, earlier today on Tuesday, we just re- released a clip on the YouTube. Uh, and you, like the clip pretty much opens up with you talking about how before Naruto Shippuden and early Naruto with all the other characters and like the stuff that you used to love about regular Naruto. And then we talk about Naruto. Yep. I, I, I was a real big fan of Naruto as a kid. I mean, obviously I grew up with it. It's one of my childhood anime and you know, it's cool to hate on Naruto because of how bad it ended and all that stuff as far as Shippuden goes. But regular Naruto had a lot of things going for it. The main thing is the characters. It had a bunch of unique characters and they all had their own little clans. They all came from different backgrounds, different cultures, and essentially they all worked together in this one village. So my hero is very similar in the sense that you have all these different kids who have all these superpowers, aka quirks as they call them in this world. And the quirks Grant them different Keke Genkais, you know, like in Naruto, they call Keke Genkais bloodline limits. It's the same exact thing. Uh, Shoto, for example, his entire family line has either ice or fire powers, and, and in his case, both. So it's cool how the same type of things that happen in base Naruto, with like, let's say Neji's clan, um, you know, they all can do like Kaiten and, or I don't know what it's called in English, but I always watch the, uh, the Japanese with the English subtitles. And so, you know, he has like the six, six palms or you know, 64 palms and divination and everything like that. They have a lot of the similar things going on in my hero. And I guess to start off, like where we can begin with this is just a world building that my hero accomplishes in season one, because I feel like the first 12 episodes are a prologue in every sense of the word, like not much actually happens. They just kind of set up the world. So oh, did you that's, something, that's something that's interesting about, uh, my hero is like when you look back on it because right now we're in season six and like sh- shit is balls to the wall it's going crazy right now and when you look back at season one and then even through all the other seasons and how we got there it's so crazy how far away it feels yes like the, the amount the tone has shifted how much darker darker it's gotten uh the the way they're like as the series progresses, especially toward the end, like through season four, then five, and now in like how them try, them trying to like snuff out the light and like kill yeah, inspiration the are very high right now. Yeah, and then when you look at season one, it's kind of all about hope. It's kind of it's like shining that light really, really brightly yeah. and making you inspired and making you hopeful. And they do that in a really good way to then like try to snuff it out. But like you said, in season one, it's weird because in some ways it feels fast paced but then at the same time when you look at it not a lot happens and i think i think that ends up at least for me creating a really comfortable pacing where i'm enjoying each episode i'm learning things about the world with each episode as i grow with it and there's always something new that's happening as i'm going through it for the first time but then when i look back at it i'm like oh my god in the grand scheme of things like at this point nothing has happened yeah so let's let's start off with what they set up 
80% of the world has a superpower. 80% of the world is born with a quirk. And the main character, uh, Izuku Midoriya, he was born as one of the 20% of people who just does not have a quirk at all. He is a normal human being like me and you, which really fucking sucks. And I yeah. I related Should to have this character. 80% of the world had a magic power. Bro, I would be <laughs> pissed. So, so immediately he's depressed for life, right? Like that's just depressing, but he makes the best of it. Like the, the worst part about him is that he is a hero fanatic. Like mm-hmm. the kid, Deku is a fanatic. He loves heroes. He loves everything about them since he was a little boy. He has a little All Might figurines. They always show flashbacks when he was a yeah. really Dude, I love his hoodies. The yep. All Might hoodies are fire. Like <laughs> we were just talking to um, Cordero and he had those Umbreon hoodies. Yes. I need some All Might hoodies. I yo. like them a lot. And I even like the Deku hoodies. Like he has, he has like, yeah. when he was younger, he used to, his mom used to make his costumes for him and it would just be like that little green, whatever the fuck that <laughs> thing is that he becomes when he puts on his actual uh, costume as a hero. But yeah, 80% of the world has a quirk and here's the main character in this verse who literally has nothing. He is a regular human, but he literally he loves the idea of heroes and he wants to be a hero, but he knows that he never can be. And so from the get-go, it's really kind of depressing. And I don't know why, but I just related to this character so much because instead of being all brawn, he's very intelligent. And so yep. I like main characters who are pretty smart, which is the reason why I never really liked the main character Naruto, because Naruto's an idiot. And like that has always bothered me. I just can't get behind any character who's dumb and just strong. And that's kind of their entire like scope of the character. Not I, yet. It's, it is I'm frustrating because not, not only is he kind of an idiot, it feels like a, now, granted, he does work hard and he does train as the series goes on, but it feels like a lot of his victories aren't really earned. Yeah, especially he kind of just like, early. Yeah, he's either has a magic demon power that just like wins the day, or like some silly shit happens, like he farts and he wins yeah, that way. And I, I hate stuff like that. It's so ridiculous. Like obviously he lost an edgy, and then you know he has no chakra whatsoever, and then here comes a demon to like insert all the chakra into him, and he uppercuts Neji out of nowhere because Neji turned off his belt gun. Stuff like that. It's just the typical. I won't go as far as say like Deuce Ex Machina, but it's just like, okay, I get it. Like the main character, I guess, needs to win in every situation, but I appreciate main characters who don't always win. And yeah. Deku is definitely that kind of main character. I also appreciate what he has to do in order to get his wins because we'll talk about that too. But again, all of his wins come at a cost. They come at like a, a great a, cost uh, to him. And I love that about like the way they set this up. So he's born without a quirk. But early on, they showed that he has heroic characteristics. So his, well, his childhood best friend, Bakugo, was being attacked by some fucking slime monster in the city. And All Might was nearby, but wasn't able to help because he's going through his own nonsense. And so Deku was like, fuck it, there are no heroes able to help. And the ones that were around were just not strong enough to fight the slime monster. So Deku attacks it on his own as a regular human being, knowing that he could 100% get killed by it. He runs in and it actually catches the villain off guard, giving Bakugo a chance to like do something. And then All Might comes in and just one shots the monster. And, you know, All Might takes note of the kid. Like he notices like, okay, that's really cool. They meet later on and Deku's like, hey, do you think I could ever become a hero? And All Might recalls, you know, what he did in the Bakugo situation. He's like, yeah, you do actually have what it takes to be a hero. And they set up this whole plan to like meet me by the beach. And he's like, listen, I am because, you know, Deku catches All Might when he reverts back to his weakened form. Yeah, Small Might. Yeah, he catches Small Might. And they have this is like all episode one and two. And they have this really heart to heart 
conversation about what it means to be a hero and how Deku was born without a quirk. So that means he can't be heroic, but it, it takes more than just a quirk to be a hero. And I like that whole, like that. Yeah. Instilling that in a kid who doesn't have a quirk, who might be depressed about it, is such a, such a heroic thing to do. Like All Might is like a perfect hero. He's so good. He's, in so many ways, the thing I love about him, and I think one of the reasons why he he portrays that heroic feel and that atmosphere even more so than the other things, like All Might is essentially the Superman of this universe, yeah, but I, he delivers the ideal of Superman so much better than Superman does, because even though in this universe, he is viewed as godly as Superman, like yes. like he can, he can do everything, right? Yes. And we as viewers know that like, First of all, you know, he has maybe he has one of the 30 powers Superman has. Yeah. He has one of those powers, but and on top of that, he's like not as all empowering as Superman. But then on top of that, he's doing all of this now in an era post his prime, whereas the whole world still thinks he's in his prime and he's missing like half his organs. Like we see him in episode one, like we learn that he is far past his prime. Yeah. And he is still doing injured. He's still doing everything despite his health to make sure the world still has a symbol of peace. And like, that's, that's like the, one of the things about a hero. It's not just you being heroic and you doing things and you being the symbol. It's you doing that despite all these other things against you. And whereas Superman, there's no cost to Superman being super, you know what I mean? Whereas like to all might there is. And so he gets to be the symbol that Superman is through that adversity. And us as the viewers, at least for me, that resonates with me so much more. Yeah, I really, really like his character design. Um, at first, you know, you just see him like coughing up a bunch of blood. He goes from being this really buff superhero to being this. I don't even like the. It's interesting. He looks like he was drawn by the artist who does Soul Eater when he reverts back to yeah, his. Yeah, like, he does his small form because his eyes are actually the color black. Like his eyes are straight up black, and then he has like the little tiny yellow pupils in there. Uh and then his like just the way he's drawn, he actually doesn't even look like he's from the same verse as everyone else. He he's drawn he so differently. He looks awful. He, he just does. looks he does. so awful. He looks so fucking terrible. <laughs> his his art is so different. And then like when he calls out the blood, even that looks Looney Tunish. Like no one else in, in the entire we, series does that. You know what's even funny about that though is now I know you read the manga, but I don't know you started. You didn't start with the manga so no, i don't think I you read not. the early chapters right i didn't so uh, in the er- yeah i don't think so i don't think i did in the early chapters of the manga i don't think they really do this later on but in the early chapters of the manga they even like do small fourth wall breaks where they mention that like all might looks different from everybody else like because <laughs> even like his big form they're like he's drawn differently like it's <laughs> like his face has all this detail like when they show like this super detailed muscle face yeah. and everything they're like he's not even from the same <laughs> art we're from like he's insane do you remember later on when deku goes to night eye it's like season three or something i know uh, yeah 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 and Go and ahead. he's like they said the only way to get him on your side is to make him laugh so the first thing deku does is an all my impersonation where he turns his actual face into all might's face but it, it looks <laughs> terrifying first of all it, it just looks scary as shit. he's drawn so different it has so much more detail than it everyone does. else in the anime and obviously night eye just deadpans stares at him and doesn't even flinch oh but that part is so fucking funny because it's like yo why did the art change like why did the it, art change for, for this one scene 
Reminds me of One Punch Man too. One Punch Man does that a lot. You'll see the main character yes. Saitama drawn multiple different ways. Sometimes he has no detail, and then sometimes he looks fucking he has dope. All as hell. of the detail. Yeah, he just looks cool as shit. Like Goku level cool. When Goku's serious, he like All Might and Saitama. They all have that thing where they have this a joke form and then a very serious like I'm not to be fucked with form. They're like jump ahead a small bit, and this is also an anime in general. I love. When anime do the thing where it's usually at like the end of an episode where the episode will end and it'll stop being like the way the anime looks and it'll become a hyper detailed drawing. Yeah. And if if you remember when um when Shigaraki first met not first met Deku, but when Shigaraki saw Deku at the mall, I forget what season it was. They're like at the mall That's and like Shigaraki's last part of season two. And he puts his hand on Deku's neck and then like they zoom in on Shigaraki's face and it's just his face. And it's like this hyper detailed drawing and you see all the cracks in his fucking face and it looks so goddamn scary and freaky. Yeah. But I, I love when anime do those those still moments where they hyper detail the art. I do too. And there's a lot of those in the manga. We talked about this in the uh, two episodes ago when we talked about anime in general. We discussed how One Piece, there's that one panel against Enel on top of Sky PA where Luffy mm-hmm. punches him for the last time and how detailed that is. There are panels in the My Hero Academia manga, especially Shigaraki specifically. I'm glad you brought him up. There are panels that he is drawn so far. In fact, one of them at one point was like my profile picture on Discord and I had to change it because I realized it could kind of send a wrong message because of what that scene was. It was the scene where Shigaraki at the end of, I think, season five kills his whole family and they... In the manga, they zoom in on him as a kid, and he just looks absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like, he just murdered his dog, then his sister, then his mom, grand grandparents, and everything. And then finally, he murders his dad, but on purpose. And the way yep. he's drawn in the scene after that is so creepy and scary. And I, I love the picture so much. I actually sent it to Kenny when I first saw it. I was like, yo, this panel is so fire, but it's because of the detail mainly. Mm. And also just like how crazy, I didn't know that this, this could ever get this dark. Like Kenny said earlier, this is a very lighthearted season. One is very lighthearted. It, it brings you to the, not only season one, cause like the whole, it's, it's so cool. Cause the, the whole big, and it's, it's done on purpose. My Hero Academia is supposed to, it has these moments of darkness, these moments of fear, but in all of the instances, the heroes come out so on top, and there's like, there's always this really bright light, and you have like season two where you you find out more about Toto uh, Todoroki, yep. and he's like, all his depressions and all these horrible things he went through, but then Deku ends up being this huge light in his life and like inspires him to like go forward and to utilize his other, by the way, I don't know if an editor got to the artist of this series or if he always knew he's going to change it but i'm so fucking happy that they changed todoroki's original outfit his original hero outfit is one of the worst designs i've ever seen do you remember it <laughs> I don't. it's like it's so his ice half is just out and because you know he hated his dad yeah. he's like fire half of his body it's like an ice suit and so it's like covered with just like this ice oh, i do half not suit. remember that at all it looks so fu- it, it, look up like season one todoroki <laughs> outfit <laughs> He looks horrible. You it is one of the worst designs this ever. This is one of the few uh, anime slash manga that I can tell that season one and the first 12, I guess, chapters or however long it took them to finish season one in the manga, you could tell that the writer didn't have it all together. You can kind of tell by... Se- like, So look at season five in contrast to season one, how different it is, the tone. And I actually want to say this. There's a progression with this series. I won't go as far as to say that the writer is writing it 
you know, at, like every week he just comes up with the idea to write the chapter because that's kind of disrespectful. And I used to use that as an insult about Naruto Shippuden during yeah, the yeah. war arc because literally Kishimoto was writing that shit the night before. It was so bad. Like it was just all over the place what was happening in the war arc. Things were just happening. There was no explanation. And it was like a lot of nonsense. My hero doesn't have that per se, but I, I, will, say, I will say that some things definitely seem to be retconned or changed pretty drastically from the way they intent like start it from the beginning as almost to say he didn't know that it would blow up this big like i think that i think that that's how the writing looks to me in season one is like he didn't foresee it going where it it, where it's at right now and that's fine like sometimes you create a project the reason why i'm saying that is because again it starts off so light-hearted and every season it progressively gets darker. Now that could be by design. It could. Yeah, that's be- that's kind of what I think. I think they he should like he makes the light so bright to fucking tear your soul out in some parts. You and know what I mean? And that's great if that was planned. I have a hard time believing that like it was planned to get as dark as it got in the end. Like yeah, there's an overarching story, but I don't know if the whole thing. Like I don't know if he yeah. has the whole story well, finished. Yeah, I don't think and from the beginning. I, like I don't to know be fair, from the beginning. I, yeah, I don't I don't think so either. But I was going to say like I'm stuttering a bit, but to be fair, you know, most like I think he probably had an idea of where he was going, right? Yeah. And then as you go, you kind of fill in the details and like things get fleshed out and things probably get changed and idea you thought it was good, you end up scrapping and yeah. you know, things change a bit. Yeah, I mean, this definitely evolved and and it, it evolved beautifully. Like my hero the reason why is in my I have it in my top seven anime of all time list. And the reason why it's there is because of how it slowly evolves and it's like progression of these characters that you're seeing over and over again. I just love that. Usually shonen shonens have uh been very high and low for me. Some of them are really yeah. good, and then some of them they just don't do it for me because they either go on too long. They stop developing the characters who we loved. Things just start to go awry because it's so, you know, once you write something for so long, like you get so many chapters in, it it just starts to fall apart unless you're the best writer in the world, AKA Oda. Like Where they become t- like too much of the shonen formula, right? Like it, yeah. I think and we mentioned creep. it before. We mentioned it before and I, I feel bad because I mentioned it too often, but I'm just going to mention it again. Uh, like Black Clover. I enjoy it, right? That's the but it exact is, one I had in my mind too. It is so strict. It's like so stringently the shonen formula. Like it is yeah. the shonen. It is. It follows every trope. Every single trope that can happen happens in Black Clover. And yeah. my hero is really cool to me because we are going through. Well, we I guess we finished it. We were going through a period of hero movies that have dominated the box office in America and honestly globally too. But just like. Speaking from a person who has only lived in this country, uh, in the U.S., like Marvel had completely dominated the last decade, right? Like that has been literally the box office. If you look at the top movies of all time, it's like Infinity War, Endgame, like those, those, like No Way Home. It's just a bunch of hero movies. It's just like Batman and stuff like that, The Dark Knight. So heroes have dominated our box office and our entertainment industry for a decade now. And easily a decade. Like easily a decade. And it's honestly over a decade, but I'm just gonna say that because it's 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Endgame was like years ago now, which is crazy to think. But Endgame was like that is pre- fucking wild. Endgame was pre-pandemic, right? Because like movies were still available. that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But I say all to say, heroes have dominated the entertainment industry for a while now. And I personally do not really like 
Marvel shows and Marvel movies. There's only a handful yeah, that yeah. I think are actually good. I've said this opinion on this podcast a lot. I genuinely just don't think that the Marvel show, I think the Marvel shows are God awful. Like most of them are just unplayable, but like we watch them because they are nerd related. And also I feel like Marvel knows this too, which makes it suck. But Marvel knows that they kind of have us by the balls because we've seen so much of the content that it's kind of like, well, I have to finish it now. That's kind of how I not feel only about that, it. Not only that is like you, they in like all the stories are interwoven. Yes. So are. when you like, I want to see when Loki season two comes out. I'm watching it. Same. But I that have was good to though. see. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the, the thing that kind of sucks is that you have to see all the other shows that yeah. kind of suck in yeah. order to probably fully understand Loki season two. Yeah, and that's that's really annoying, but it's working because they have this web and they're just weaving all of the bad shows in with the good shit to make sure that you see everything that they put out. But I'm noticing that, in, in my personal opinion, the quality of the shows and the movies has dipped since Endgame yeah. and No Way Home. Like it just it has not been the same quality. I feel like um, th- th- definitely a lot of yeah. the same tropes are there though. Like the laughter, you know, Marvel's always been very comedic on everything that they do. All of that's there. I think the storytelling is what I'm saying though. Like I, I just think, don't. I think they're like treading their they're like treading water. I think they're. They want to move into the the new Kang the Conqueror arc, yes. But they know they can't do it right away because that would be like weird. Yeah. So they got to like tread water with like filler arcs. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of like doing some filler arcs to try to and I'm familiar build with it up. After every major One Piece arc, Oda writes us writes several chapters that are just literally filler, like not filler. But what I mean by that is they're filler to get to the next major arc. You can't just go yeah yeah. You can't just go Whole Cake Island right into Wano. Yeah. Right. Like you can't, like you have to have in between those two, what happened and filler might be the wrong word to use here. But what we mean by that is just, it is a section that is not considered an arc, but yeah. it, things do happen, right? Like things are ha- like, so uh, Scarlet, Witch, you know, and, and all the things that happen with Dr. Strange. And now he has that third eye. And that's like, that's with him now for God knows how long, right? Like that yeah. is something that's happened to him. So a lot of the things that are going on with the multiverse, they're important, but we're not actually in the arc yet with Kang the yeah, Conqueror. We're kind of arc that we want to see. We're getting into like how this even happened. So Loki was how it happened. They killed the Kang that was keeping everything in line, so that he said, "Look, there's other ones worse than me." But anyway, not to get too deep into the Marvel stuff specifics. The point is, I think my hero does it better. Yeah, I think, so I think my hero just does the hero genre better, and this is again something that Kenny and I have expressed on this podcast before. But I just think that they do it better. So uh, go ahead. One quick example on the, you know, just to wrap up the one One Piece example is like those in between moments in One Piece, like they happen in there just like they happen in the Marvel movies. But when they happen in One Piece, there's like really, like really impactful things that really draw you in. Like some of the greatest moments in One Piece happen after an arc ends, and you're like, what the fuck? Honestly, and then you go, the greatest moments do happen in between. <laughs> Which is crazy because you get this awesome arc that you're waiting for. And then all of a sudden the thing you weren't waiting for is even better. And you're like, what is happening? Yes. So anyway, uh, you know, Marvel hasn't really delivered that. But then to get to the actual point, like Fraser said, we're talking about heroes here. And I also think my hero just does it better. You know what's fucked up is the ongoing debate of like, can they ever make a good live action anime or like whatever? I think what's so crazy is, like you said, America has a stranglehold on the hero box box office. And looking at My Hero Academia, you would think, oh, man, 
they could probably adapt a really good movie. And like, I don't think they could. Like, I think I if they think so either. if they made a live action My Hero movie, it would fucking be awful. <laughs> I have no faith in the live action uh, anime genre at all. I've yeah. yet to see one. It has blown me away. I am genuinely afraid of having all of my faves be destroyed and trampled on by it, including what's coming out on Netflix soon, which is One Piece. Um, Cowboy Bebop was actually not to me. It wasn't like unplayable, but what was really wasn't as bad as people say. It no, was. It, it was really, bad, but it wasn't it, as bad. It as was bad, say. but it was bad for reasons like I think the actor who played <laughs> um, vicious. vicious. He was so he looked like a fucking fake Targaryen. That guy was he, awful. That guy made the entire show bad to me. So like, I think if you replace him, you actually might have something because I liked every other character for the most part. Like, I think that everything else was fine. Like, I think the main character played him well i never under i don't remember that guy's name i always call him like you know harold kumar i think he's one of the characters from that or something but um i think that he i think he's a really good spike i think that they did things to capture the essence of cowboy bebop with the anthology and stuff like that but with an with an overarching story and so yeah sometimes the live actions aren't god awful but for the most part if I had to rank them all and do an average score it's a failing score like live actions are a failing score so i would have no faith in a my hero but i gotta explain myself on why i think that my hero does it better than marvel because it's kind of unfair to just be like i just think this better and then oh yeah no no you got it yeah definitely gotta explain yourself so marvel i'm with you by the way i'll I'll have my own points yeah marvel doesn't do a good job to me outside of a few movies of creating actual tension and strife with its heroes i think that one of the best things about my hero is the struggle and the strife that the characters go through in my hero is so visceral. And what I mean by that is in Marvel, the only movies where I really feel like, Oh my God, like there's incredible tension and and crazy impact are like winter soldier, the reveal of who killed Tony Stark's parents, stuff like that. Like that's fucking huge. Like civil war, like all, all of those, that whole arc winter soldier, civil war, kind of like one big arc. And then obviously infinity war in game is another like really big arc pretty much and no way home if that counts and as a marvel movie that was like sony and all that bullshit but you get you get the idea these are marvel heroes and so everything that happened in no way home like you feel it also like andrew garfield his redemption arc and stuff like that i cried during no way home because it's 20 years of building and that i guess is what has been done well for just spider-man but i don't feel the same way about captain america from the first movie until his end or like some of the other characters from their beginning to their end, I just don't feel like they've been developed in a way that makes me actually care enough. And that, that could be Marvel's failure with just me as a person. Like maybe I just don't get the character development that they're trying to convey. But like, for example, I think Dr. Strange from the first movie that he's in, where he's just a doctor who's very arrogant and pompous. I actually think that he progressed way too quickly between his very first movie, which is the first time you ever see him. I think he progressed way too quickly from his first movie until where he is in Multiverse of Madness. Like it, it is honestly kind of crazy how much different he is. It's like not his core things because like, he's still cocky, but just like all the things that have happened, it seems like a little too much too fast. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I think that he would like a show, and this is what I think manga and anime are a better medium for character development. We and just shows in general. Yeah, shows are just better. You don't get to see Doctor Strange except in movies, and he's only in a few of them. So every time you see him, yeah, they developed him. They made him more of a Doctor Like, he's getting more and more into that role and less into when he was a human and stuff. 
but it's almost unbelievable because of how fast it's happening on screen. It's like, holy shit, this much time has passed. But I don't really understand how this character got to the point where he's like this now. Like he says things in Multiverse of Madness that I'm just like, okay, like I don't, I don't agree with it. You guys can listen to how we felt about Multiverse of Madness. We have a whole podcast episode explaining it and why I personally did not like that movie, but also like the motivations for like Wanda and stuff like that. I feel like it could have been better written. And I get that there's a book that's all evil is like their Lord of the Rings, that whole thing with the ring that corrupts you and stuff at this. It, the whole point is that like the development is just not done in a progressive enough manner, like a slow progression that makes it believable. I just don't believe marvel superheroes whereas my hero because you're watching the same characters chapter after chapter week after week episode after episode slowly develop into who they are it's like i didn't miss anything here like the character there was no time skip or anything so you'd be like what the hell happened to this guy like why is he acting like this now i i want to add on to that as you were talking i i actually mid you talking i changed my my example to a different example that I thought fit your example even better. Okay. First, I was going to mention Bakugo, right? Yep. When you look at Bakugo and his character development from the start to where we are now, um, and you know, we're not going to give manga spoilers about anything in general. So, yeah, this uh, is anime just, only, of course. Um, but from the start to where we are at the start of season six, Bakugo has grown a lot. Even that he's still kind of like the little shithead that he yeah, always has been. He's definitely annoying. But we've about. learned so much more about him. We understand him so much more. Like when you look at us, uh, I think it's season two, maybe it's season three, when Bakugo gets kidnapped and we're sitting here thinking, like, oh, we're about to go into Sasuke Retrieval Arc. And yeah. then, like, that doesn't happen. They just get there. But the fact that I knew people in real life that were like, oh my God, this is what's going to happen. Bakugo is going to become evil. He's going to become a villain. And, like, they thought. Bakugo was going to get, like, turned to the other side because of the shithead character he was. But then he shows, like, some of his more values. And, and anyway, I, let me interject real quick right there, because I was one of the people who was like, God damn it, this is literally Sasuke all over again. It was even a retrieval arc. There was yeah, a yeah. Bakugo retrieval arc. I was like, yo, this guy's going to turn evil, and I should have saw this coming, but I was so annoyed that my hero was doing basically the anime trope that's been done so many times. We've seen that so many times, and it was boring. At, at In that moment, I was like, I'm bored of this already. Like, I'm bored of yep. the fact that this thing that I love so much, because I love seasons one and two for what they were, I liked them a lot, and then season three, when Bakugo got captured, I was like, bro... The fact that he's about to become evil and be like the main antagonist is so corny to me. I've seen that so many yeah. times. And then they completely blindsided me when this man was just like, uh, actually, fuck y'all. The League of <laughs> like he didn't care for the League of Villains at all. He Not was never he bit. was never at any point down with them. And that shocked me. I was shocked, but then you find out later on there's a reason for that. And I'll let you finish your point. Oh, so we can talk more about Bakugo uh in a bit. My point is like we see his development all the way through, and his development feels believable while him still being the same character. Yeah. But to, to go to a more fair example, because Bakugo is an upfront and center, like, secondary main character. Yep. Whereas Doctor Strange throughout all of Marvel, you know, like you said, he's only in certain things. He so, comes out pretty late, too, right? Like, he Marvel's already established, and then Doctor Strange comes at kind of like the fourth quarter. Like, Doctor Strange yeah. comes in the fourth quarter. His first movie is Doctor Strange. His second movie is probably Infinity War or something. Like, I'm... Yeah, something like that. So to, to give a more fair example of a character that doesn't have a lot of screen time, but I think has incredible and believable character development, Endeavor. When you look at Endeavor from season one and what you learn about him, Endeavor is an absolute piece of shit. Yep. He's a horrible father. Jamie he's just like, 
not a good person, not a good father, and he put his kids through hell. And that doesn't change. Yeah. Because it can't change. The, the past doesn't change. Something I hate that sometimes things do is like, this person's horrible. But then you find out that like, he was horrible for a good reason. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, my hero doesn't do that. Endeavor's horrible. Everybody recognizes that he was horrible and that doesn't change. And he, he can't make that go away. He can't spin that to be a good thing. But he legitimately grows as a person as it goes on. He doesn't get a ton of screen time, but the, when you see him and the moments that he has with his son, the yeah. moments he has with other people, the moment he has with his fans, and then when he has to take up the mantle as the new number one hero, what that means to him and like the trials and tribulations he then goes to and the, the faith he puts in other people like Hawks, he grows so much and he really makes an effort to try to become a better father. And he, he respects and accepts the fact that like his kids aren't going to, his kids aren't going to just accept that right away. Right. Um, like they're not going to be like, Oh, you said you changed and you, now you're for, you know, you're forgiven. And you're forgiven. That doesn't happen. And he knows that won't happen, but in his, his strive to be a better person, he continues to like still give them their space and not like be overbearing because like he knows what he did was wrong, but then also still be there and, and like be there for his children. And like, they show all these great moments where like his one son who like fucking hates him when they see Not on TV so that like his name is I think so. When they see on TV that like Endeavor might die fighting this one Nomu, like he's torn up and crying. Like he doesn't want his dad to die, but then at the same time, right. when that's all over, he's still not gonna go and give his dad a hug because even though that's his dad and there was that moment, that child still like that doesn't take away everything that already happened and what his dad then put him through. So my point is like there's this big complex relationship with Endeavor as a person, as a hero, as a father, and as a husband. And the horrible things he done and him trying to grow as a person and become a better person. And like the way they do that through My Hero Academia is fucking amazing, especially for a character who realistically does not get that much screen time similar to Doctor Strange. Yeah. Like Endeavor is a is a fully developed character. And now he's more front and center. Like as we yeah. are in the anime season six episode like two I think or whatever he's more front and center now for obvious reasons like you know All Might after fighting All for One basically can't be the number one hero anymore so it just kind of by default passes to Endeavor even though they show us the gap between All Might and Endeavor is night and day heaven and earth it's ridiculous but yes Endeavor is now the number one hero so there's a lot of spotlight on him even in the manga. And in the show, and I like, I kind of like that about it because that makes sense that he would now get more visibility being number one, right? So like the writing has reflected him being number one. At first I was like, well, this guy's number two. And honestly, it's kind of fucked up, but people really don't care about number two like that, <laughs> including me. So even when I knew that he was the number one two hero, I was like, okay, whatever. You get to see him fight like in one of the earlier seasons real quick when, uh, Deku first runs into Gran Torino and they start training together. And then I think a Nomu appears in the city in the stain arc, like season two. Yeah. And you get to see Endeavor basically hold a fucking Nomu's head and his fire goes from being red to blue on a Nomu's head. And it's like completely incinerates the monster. I was like, okay, this guy's pretty cool, but you know, I never really cared about him. And there was a little blurb in season two about Todoroki's trauma, his childhood trauma. And his mom had thrown like a hot tea kettle water in nope. his face and that's how he got the burn mark and it's because she hated the fire side of him and like there's a whole bunch of development with that entire family like the whole Todoroki yeah. family has a ton of development and it's kind of cool because he's not the main character he's one of the top characters right like he's pretty memorable he's one of the the top yeah. three in a class 
but he's not the main character. And yet they have his entire family in the manga as a pretty uh, center of attention topic frequently. Like his family has like, far more development. I mean, in, in terms of Deku's family, it's just his mom, and like yes. his mom, like his mom is just his mom. Like she doesn't do anything. Yeah, she's literally yeah. Only thing she's done is go from being like really skinny season one, and then she's gained some visible weight in a later seasons out of nowhere. I just kind of like they just started drawing her kind of chubby. <laughs> she looks cuter, <laughs> but it's just funny that that's the only thing yeah. that we know about. We don't really know anything about his mom, and I'm realizing we also don't know anything. Like you said, we don't know anything about his dad either, which is yeah, that might don't... be a reveal later on. Uh. I yeah, it's one of those things. I wonder. I kind of hope at this point we just never see his dad. And they, yeah, because like, I kind of just revealed, hope he's just a deadbeat dad, and like he just you yeah. Because if mean? his he dad just, is revealed, you know, it would be some bullshit if he's anybody significant, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if his dad is literally anyone, I'm. Oh, it would be awesome if, like, in the last chapter, they reveal his dad, and it's like he just got back from a business trip. Like he was just like, <laughs> he was just like he was just like. In Korea on a business trip, and that was it. He's like a yeah, regular he's a salary regular man. Ass person, yeah. yeah. But Shoto, Shoto's whole family is actually a big part of the manga and of the story, and it makes it develops Shoto more. But it also randomly just develops Endeavor, their now number one hero, and it makes him this believable character who's trying to atone, despite the fact that his his children aren't willing to just outright forgive him. That's a real life thing. Yeah. And I feel like Japanese writers, Japanese manga writers. They capture real life, I think, better than Mar- Marvel. Just makes a joke out of everything for the most. Like I just, it's just too much of a joke all the time, and I don't feel the realism. Like even people with superpowers will still go through regular things, like just real life regular things, and that just doesn't happen enough in Marvel for me to care. Which is why I think the Spider Man movies, the Spider Man movies are so good because Peter Parker is trying to be like, Spider Man is trying to be normal. He, yeah. He's going to school. He has friends. He's constantly just trying to be normal, and it, it, it's not working. Whereas all the other ones are like, "I'm a hero. I just do hero shit." One is a fucking trillionaire, and it's like they're just not relatable. They're not really all believable. One of them is a fucking, I don't know, has a a green alien, not literally a green alien, but like has green energy that turns him into a fucking monster. Yeah, and he's like and a, it's, a it's scientist, cool. like some nuclear physicist, crazy intelligent scientist. Like, yeah, you're not a re- like that's not. Because my hero does take, you know, the quirks, the superpowers, it's all unbelievable, but the characters are so grounded and so real, and they have such relatable traits and qualities and, and sh- struggles and strifes that they go through, and they have time to simmer. The thing with, like, the thing with Endeavor's plotline is that if it was a movie, it would have to be resolved in a movie. Yes. Like, they don't really, movies don't really like leaving loose ends like that to then be, like, dealt with later, whereas, like, something like a manga or an anime... Well, let a loose end be a loose end for three hundred chapters. Yeah, also before you, you use the word simmer. That was that was good. Nice pun. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. But yeah, I think that there's just and it 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 could just be because my gripe really is honestly the medium. Like if my hero yeah. was only movies, right? If my hero was only released as movies, I don't think I would like it as much because possible like said, it it would just be two hour flicks where everything has to happen in that two hours until the next years later, two-hour movie where I get to see these characters again. So in yeah. a way, the Marvel shows are attempting to develop the characters better, and and now that we're saying this, I think, even though I didn't really care, like, I don't really care for the Hawkeye, I don't care for Hawkeye as a character, but I have to be honest, because I'm going to be honest, the Hawkeye show actually made me resonate so much more with that character because of how just yeah. his life, 
He just lives a regular life. He had the hearing aid. You found out he could barely hear. He has all these other problems, obviously his family and stuff like that. And he doesn't want to be a hero. He just wants to be a regular dad. Like he just wants to live, have Christmas, watch movies with his family. And he's trying to avoid getting back into the hero life, but that's hard to do because it's something that he's been doing for so long. You know how hard is the old habits die hard. He's he's very believable in the show. In the movies, Hawkeye is fucking nothing. Yeah, he's the Hawkeye show has aspects of it that are really good. And we talked about that. There's stuff about that show that are really good. It's just like so Hawkeye show has moments that are really good and yeah. character moments that are believable. It's just the show's plot is horrible. Yeah, the show's plot is not good, but developing Hawkeye is done really well. So much stuff yeah. to the point where at the beginning of Endgame, he is the first scene of Endgame. His family gets uh, snapped away. That's how Endgame opens up. And at, when that happens, honestly, I was just kind of in a movie theater with a blank stare. Like, I see that his, you know, one minute his family was asking about hot dogs and shit like that. They were doing a barbecue. And then the next minute, he turns around and they're all gone. And we as viewers know, oh shit, they were part of the snap. Like, all of them. He got really unlucky because everyone is a 50-50. Like, sir, you can roll a coin and your entire family could be wiped out. He got fucked over. His entire family got wiped out. He was left by himself. And that's him in the road and all that stuff. But when you see it, in the movie, this is actually a great example. Hawkeye's probably the perfect example for this and why I think the movies, like the Marvel movies suck when it comes to developing the characters. So you see his family die or go away, be snapped away. And then a couple of scenes later in Endgame, he's Ronan and he's just killing people. But we don't really understand. It just <laughs> like happens. How you go from being a hero to flat out, it's the same thing with Daenerys Targaryen. Like you went from being a hero to flat out murdering people as Ronan with nothing in between. Like it was like, okay, so I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. supposed to understand that you just snapped and that made you go on a murdering spree. Whereas in the show, you get to see him slowly transition from like his temperament. You can see how he is, why he is the way he is. There's stuff like Thanos was right written on the stalls and stuff like that. People asking yeah, yeah. for pictures in a bathroom, which is fucking annoying. People making musicals about his life when this man has a fucking hearing aid in and he's actually going through all kinds of uh, PTSD, blatantly going through PTSD, but he's forced because his kids need to see this, this fucking Broadway musical where they're portraying everything that happened. All these events, by, by the way, are traumatic for him. Like, all the yeah. explosions that he survived and have fucked up his hearing, fucked up his eyesight and stuff like that. Like, all of these things that have happened to him are not good, but they're being made a joke by the rest of the world. And seeing that, it's it's me seeing that that makes me believe Hawkeye as a character. So when he is Ronan, or like when he was Ronan, it, it's more believable the idea, okay, I see how this guy slowly descended because the way the world is around him. Yeah. Like the world made him like this. And so it's it's really interesting how in one way the Marvel shows are good for developing the characters further, but then their scripts are so fucking uninteresting. Yeah. Their plots and their scripts are the, just the horrible. scripts are so bad that it's like, God damn it. I like I know and I haven't watched it yet, but the I know one of them just had She-Hulk had like Megan Thee Stallion twerking. And that was the only thing I saw trending about that entire show. And I, I heard about that. I don't exactly like you heard about it. I didn't watch a single episode. At some point, I think me and Kenny will real re- reviewed the show. And I was oh, gonna, for sure. I was going to ask if you wanted to like watch that and just like do a like watching it one day or whatever and then review it because I think it's over now. But my point is the Marvel, the Marvel shows, they're always trying to do like these wild factor things in terms of. I can't they're also trying it. to like create memes. They're definitely creating memes. They're definitely part of TikTok culture. Like it's it's just a bunch of that. And the stories themselves contained within these shows are just not that good. Yeah. So I think it's the medium. I don't think that the movies do a good job. And that's why I said I think that Hawkeye slash Ronin is a great example because in Endgame, his family dies in front of us. And 
tell me if I'm crazy here, guys, but like when you watch this family disappear, it's like, yeah, that's fucked up, but you don't really know Hawkeye. Yeah. So I agree with almost everything you just said. The only slight disagreement I have and is that I don't think it's just the medium in that, like, obviously I do overall think the medium of long form television shows or a book or a, or manga chapters or whatever you want it to be. I do think they're better at conveying a full story than a movie is yeah. a movie um, has its own merits in, in different ways. But so in that in general, I think you're right. But wh- the reason why I don't think it's just the mediums, because like you said, Marvel does have now a, a bevy of television shows like the Hawkeye yeah. show. And although they have great moments in them, the overall script writing and the plot for the shows is usually very fucking weak. Yeah. Half of them still use generic military white guy as a bad guy. Yep. And it's just like the Falcon and Winter Soldier. We still haven't reviewed that show yet. It was so hard for me to watch it. I hated it so much. Also felt like it was pandering to black people, which I don't like. It just wasn't a good show. And I don't even want to watch it again to review it. Like, honestly, it's, it was just not fun. So when you say generic white guys, like the villain, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was that. Like the first thing, generic soldier white guy is the main villain or like something stupid like that. It's like, God damn it. Like this show is just not, but go ahead. Then, well, no, uh, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, they, they have the opportunity with long, like longer form TV shows and they still don't necessarily deliver on all of those. Some of the like more high concept ones like WandaVision, I think are excellently done, yeah. but then most of the other ones aren't anyway to transition, like to, to loop the loop back. And then uh, if you want to say something else, but the loop the loop back to something you said uh, now, like 20 or so minutes ago, I think with Shigaraki and um, like when you, you meet this character and as you kind of see him grow and you see where he came from and you learn his backstory and you see like, sort of the horrible thing that happens to him as a child. Like there's things that you see with him as a child because like he can't control his power and he's like scratching his eyes and his yeah. eyes are all like torn up and nasty looking. And yeah, I don't his, know, like his quirk is fucked. The way they develop that character into becoming like the villain that he's going to end up becoming is like so beautiful as he is sort of all for one's prodigy. Also as a side note that I just remembered, um, for anybody that knows Shigaraki knows that he has all these hands all over him. (laughs) And so when he's first introduced, he has all these hands, right? Which is like a really quirky sort of unique and interesting. It's a very anime thing too. It's like, Oh, that's really cool. Like he's anime as fuck looking. Yeah. Um, those hands end up having a legit fucking backstory that we're, we've already hinted to kind of, but then the other thing that I think is really funny is that, I remember something I like about reading manga is you get like insight to the author's thoughts. This happens in like Dragon Ball, One Piece, Naruto, all of them. Mm-hmm. So in My Hero Academia, in the back of a lot of the manga chapters, you'll get like little insights to his thoughts. And so one of them, he shows the design of Shigaraki and all the hands on. And he says that, you know, growing up, I, I'm going to sort of paraphrase this. I don't remember exactly, but he says like, as you learn how to draw growing up, drawing hands is like the hardest part for a lot of people. People really have a hard time learning how to draw hands. And so he decided he was going to, like, make it, like, so- somewhat inspired by that, he made a character where, like, he had all of these hands all over him. Yes, because a challenge. The hardest thing to- yeah, yeah, it's a challenge. And then he was like, I think the design came out really cool, it was really awesome, but sometimes, like, I dread my own idea, because, like, now I have to draw that fucking character all the time, and, like, drawing all those hands is not easy. Yeah, that's true. And he eventually gets rid of them, right? It's like <laughs> Shigaraki only has, I think now in season six or whatever, or like at the end of season five, he has like the one on his face. The rest of them are got fucked over after he fought Reed Destro. But okay. So we've done like a really deep dive into 
Marvel versus My Hero and like the differences and stuff like that, the mediums, all those things, the plot. And so My Hero just, I just believe Deku going from being a quirkless human being uh, who is a fanatic of heroes into becoming a hero because the number one hero in the world saw him do something heroic. And I know I'm using this word a lot right here, but as I'm thinking and talking, there's like no other way around not using the word hero. As the number one yeah. hero sees some con- like do something heroic, he tells him, and this is really inspiring, you know, that's not the only, having a quirk is not what makes you a hero. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how it works. It's It's who you are. So you can be a hero. And then he eventually, to kind of speed through what happens in season one, um, you know, he gives him a piece of his hair to ingest, which is really fucking weird. But that's how he transfers the quirk all for or one for all to Deku. And when Deku first gets it, the main thing about like him in season one is that his quirk breaks his body parts when he uses it because his body is not as developed as All Might's was. And the quirk gets stronger as it's passed down. So every person who gets it, like every successor of that quirk is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So Deku is theoretically going to be like, not immediately, but he's going to be the strongest user of the quirk ever because it gets developed by everyone. And, and that's kind of the whole point of it. Um, when he's using it though, in the beginning, it has incredible drawbacks. Like literally the first time he uses it as against a big ass machine and a training exercise. And it's about to hurt Araraka his like crush yeah. or whatever it's about to hurt her. So he flies up in the air and does a, like a fucking Detroit smash or whatever, whatever. I love, I love the naming convention for all the attacks too, by the way, just them being yeah. named after like States and Texas stuff. smash yes. Detroit smash. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool. Uh, or like cities, I guess. Cause like Michigan, but yeah. So I like that. He does all these like attacks with cities and States and that whole thing. Um, but he uses it the first time and his fucking arm is literally flailing and it's the color purple. It's like flailing as he's falling to his death. And Dude, not just his arm, both his legs, right? Because he uses his power to jump fucking yeah. 50 feet in the air. My so man. as he's falling, his legs are just like flopping in the fucking wind disgusting. and his one arm awful. So when you first are watching this anime, you don't really know how dark it is because even though episode one, they kind of show you All Might has this incredible wound, but he seems like a Looney Tune character. So I didn't yeah. take it too seriously. But then when you see Deku actually get the power and later on in season one, he starts using the power and it starts literally breaking this, mind you, this is a kid. It's literally breaking his fucking limbs. And it's the way they look, the, the, the color pink, purple that they draw them. You can is, see it's all this internal bleeding. All the yes. bones in there are fucking shattered. So I was like, what and, the fuck is this? As I'm watching, I'm like, what is this? This is really kind of like, this is a little fucked. Like, why would you give this kid this ability that he can't handle and it's destroying him? And then the kid also is such a hero at heart that he can't help it. He's such a hero at heart that he, to his own detriment, always does the heroic thing in that moment when Uraka there, it was this test to get into the, to the school UA and all these different robots worth a certain amount of points. But then there was a giant robot that was worth zero points. Nobody was supposed to kill it. Yep. It, it, it You were supposed to run from it. There was nothing you could do about it. And so this giant robot was about to hurt Uraka and everybody ran away. Rightfully so beating it is near impossible. And then on top of that, you don't get any points anyway. Deku at this time didn't have any points. He's still a rookie. Everybody grew up with their powers. He just got his power, you know, a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago. And instead of running away like everybody else, instead of going for the points like everybody else, going for what you need to do to win, he sees somebody that needs to be saved. And then he goes and takes on this giant robot that you're not supposed to fight to take it down with no regard, no care for his own life. Because then he's 
falling from 50 feet in the sky and he's used his power his body's broken like how is he going to survive this fall and luckily Uraka ends up saving him but without really good same thing as when he saved Bakugo he doesn't think about the aftermath what's going to happen to him he just wants to save the person he wants to save Bakugo wants to save Uraka he goes and then after he saves the person like what happened whatever happens to me be damned and that's consistent with his character and it makes him such a complex character on one hand like i said he is actually a really smart protagonist and i mean that like actual intelligence like you know shikamaru is really intelligent and so many other anime protagonists light and kogias has lelouch no like there's all these geniuses Midoriya is pretty fucking smart when he does this little thing it's kind of funny when he does it he's those mutter 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 and he's always thinking about plans and he comes up with a really good idea but I like the fact they actually show him having to think about it first yeah sometimes you don't get to see anime protagonists think before they do something they just kind of do it and then it's a big reveal what they were planning and then it's like oh shit that actually worked out or it didn't work out I like that Deku genuinely thinks but he thinks really quickly and I honestly would put him in a class like he's pretty fucking intelligent. Like he's, he's just very intelligent. He's and I, I very, like very smart. That not only we get to see him think, we get to see him write in his notebook and do yeah. all these little things. And all of that kind of put together. Here's something. I remember when you first or I don't know. I'm not going to say when you first got into My Hero Academia because I don't know when that was. But when you and me first talked about My Hero together is what I should say. Yeah. I was so happy to find out that you liked Deku because what I because I know you um as in general the kind of characters you like and like yeah you, you know, know exactly Frazier Frazier's like you know he can be callous right Frazier yes. can be callous yes and <laughs> and here's the thing so many and this is something I just didn't understand so many people one of their complaints of my hair academia is that they say Deku is a crybaby I they say he's a crybaby and that you know they hate it. Deku and he's so annoying and all these other things and what's so frustrating to me because I don't understand first of all like we said earlier could you imagine being born into the world where eighty percent of the people have powers and you fucking don't you would be that's a crybaby too all. bitch you would be a crybaby but for, that's second of all he's not a crybaby about it he goes and he studies and he learns and does everything he can to try to push forward and do things against the odds and get into could you imagine most of us as people we know that. We weren't going to get into Yale. We know we weren't going to get right. into Harvard. We and and superpowers don't exist. He didn't have superpowers in the world. Superpowers exist, and he said, "No, I'm going to get into Yale. I'm going to get into Harvard. I don't fucking care." And he studied and and to get there. And yeah, he he had setbacks, and yeah, he cried about her. Yeah, he like had these anxious anxiety moments, but like he pushed through all that and kept going forward. And those and, things like, are very human too. Like they make a person real and believable. Yeah, like it's just weird. Like and. For all that he's a crybaby, which I don't agree with, he fights past all, like, what I, I don't remember who said it, it's like an old cliche quote, but like, bravery isn't just blindly doing something because you're not scared. Bravery is doing something despite being scared. Despite him being scared, or despite like something being a danger to him, he goes forward and does it anyway, because that's what bravery is. Bravery isn't the fact that you're not scared of anything, it's that you are scared, but you do it anyway, and overcome it anyway. And so, Maybe anyway, when you said, <laughs> yeah, right? When you, I remember when you and me first talked about it and you talked about how much you like Deku, I was so like hype and excited because I had gotten so used to so many people. I actually remember this. Dude, I got so used to so so many people just not hating Deku and saying my hero's bad because of Deku. And I don't feel like we're watching the same show. I don't know what they saw. I don't know what people want in their um, anime protagonist these days, but Deku is one of the best to me. Like, period. Deku is literally one of the best protagonists to me. I think that his personality. It's very relatable to me, like somebody who's very book smart. 
Deku is a book smart and he's hardworking. So he's a, he's he's pretty genius level, but it's not that kind of unbelievable genius level where like he just immediately knows exactly what to do and they don't really need to even show him thinking about it. He just kind of like, I'm playing 4D chess from the beginning and I don't have to explain why I know what I know. I just know everything, right? Like he's not yeah, like yeah. you you understand that Deku was smart because he actually puts in hard work and studies and like, yeah, he's also quick with it too. He just not his brain naturally is pretty fast. Um, which is believable. The whole crab everything, like you said, I don't really agree with that either. I think that's kind of a, a cop out to just hate on the character. Uh, I think the anime does a fantastic job of making him a believable character, especially considering bo- being born in a world where 80%. So out of every five people, four of those motherfuckers have quirks. And here your black ass is with no quirk. Like, I would be pissed. I would be oh. depressed. I would be, de- oh my God, I would be depressed. You give me anything? God. Let me let me have big ears. Give me something. Bro, I would like. be so depressed without a quirk. Like, it's always one thing to not have a quirk. It's another thing if you get a quirk and it's shitty, like big ears. Like, that would yeah. fucking <laughs> suck, but it's still like better than, it's better than not having a quirk at all. I always say, everybody need someone to shit on. This is a sad truth about human beings. So like at the top of the totem pole, you have like white men and then every other demographic of person is below that. And everyone (laughs) shits on who's below them. If I had a quirk, even if my quirk was terrible, at least I get the shit on the people who are quirk less. Like Like, I remember at least when they show them as kids, one of like their friends is like a guy with long fingers. And like yeah. the guy with long fingers is like talking shit on Deku. It's like, dog, you're just a guy with long fingers. Yeah. Like <laughs> you got G too, fucker. But it's like, nah, you got some kind of a quirk and it'll develop and who knows what it'll become, right? But yeah. yes, it's really uh I understand every time that he's ever cried about anything, I totally understand it. Cause that I think that's a real child reaction to loving something so much but not being able to partake in it it's kind of like so i was born with asthma and it is fucking debilitating i wasn't able to play sports i actually cried not many times because i quickly got over my want to play sports when i was a kid but when i was younger all the kids on my street would play like football and stuff like that and uh or just like play catch you were left out a very normal thing to do as kids is like play catch with a football uh, dribble a basketball, stuff like that, run up and down the street, play all these games where like running is required. And I literally wasn't allowed to do it because when I did, I would start wheezing and my asthma was really bad. So I would start wheezing and then I would have an asthma attack. Then I have to take an inhaler. I'd have to sit on the steps. My dad be like, drink some water, take your inhaler. All the other kids are still running up and down, looking at me, come to check on me. It's fucking humiliating. And it yep. makes you feel like you're like Kenny said left out. And so eventually that led to me hating sports like i do not like sports um i never really partook in them because i wasn't allowed to actually play them even though i had a desire to as a kid my sickness took that away from me and so in a way is like deku he genuinely wants to be involved in something but he can't and it could easily go the other way like there could be an opposite version of deku that shigaraki could have been a quirkless person who got all for one's quirk but he hated heroes because he just was born without a quirk. Like, like that would have actually been yeah, yeah. a great thing, even though it's kind of like, what are the odds? That's so cliche. In a way, it's kind of cliche. Like, y'all both happen to not have a quirk. Y'all both end up having a quirk now, and you're opposites. But you can kind of see how Shigaraki could totally be a quirkless person who got a quirk from an evil guy. And his motivation is, I hate heroes. I hate everything about them. Because when I was younger, I wanted to have a quirk. I was born without one. And so it made me resent them. The same yeah, way, the like, world... 
That's yeah. something that my hero ends up doing is as as it goes on, it shows you how this this sort of society filled with light ends up warping some of the people's perspectives, and there's end up being some tragedies of people who truly wanted to be good people or good things happen, but like just the way the the economy of this world works out, it kind of left them to the wayside, and that ends up making them become villains. Another quick thing on the on the Deku thing with being a crybaby is I, I, one more thing is like throughout the series. We still see him because I've also heard people say, like, he has one of the strongest quirks and it's frustrating that, like, he still has this or that problem. And I don't think people are taking into consideration that everybody else grew up their whole life with their quirk and honing it. Whereas he got it, like, when he was 15 or 14 or whatever. Yeah, pretty late. And he has this whole life of anxiety and this, like, complex that was built into him that he has to overcome at each moment. Like, he has anxiety and these complexities in him that now, even though he has this strong quirk, when he first gets it, he can't use it without destroying his body. And then, like, there's so many mental hurdles he has to jump over, and he still does all of that. He he does it while being anxious and sometimes and, like, having tears in his eyes. But, like, he does it. And yeah. I think that's commendable. That's what makes him a hero. Yeah. So, for me, my hero's real big turning point when I put it in, like, one of my top of all time for like for me is season three is the turning point. Season three is when the Bakugo retrieval stuff happens. It's where I thought I was going to hate it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. This is where I thought. So let me just do a quick recap. Season one is just basically set up explaining how the world works. And then Deku gets his quirk from all might. And essentially at the end of that, the league of villains is shown. So you're like, okay, there's the antagonist. The league of villains is shown. All might comes in, even though, you know, that he's actually much weaker than he used to be in his prime, he still manages to uh, thwart the threat of the League of Villains. He beats a Nomu. He goes plus ultra, which is that, a concept. That of going fight is still one of my favorite fights. Oh, if easy. you go back and rewatch All Might versus Nomu in season one, him like talking shit and him being like <laughs> them saying like you know he's he's done. All Might is gassed, and then him saying like you know a hero always finds his way out of a tight spot. And, like, him fighting him, like, all this shit happening. And then when he punches him up, he does a fucking Gatling. And he does the final plus ultra punch. Listen to the goddamn voice actor say plus ultra. I, there's no, I, I could never do it justice. But the way the voice actor says, like, plus ultra. Like, the way he fuck, like, the voice actor and that scene and, like, the all might dog. I lose it because we know that we know that All Might actually is gassed. We know that he yes. is past we know the his truth. prime. Where everyone else and watching like, doesn't. Through all of that, he's like he show, and then like we there's a part where like he knows he can't move anymore, and he's still taunting them. He's like, "Come on, come and get some," because yeah. he's like he's trying to taunt them to like fucking off, dude. It's an awesome scene at the end of season. It's one. really good, and that's the first time you see somebody push past their limits, which is like that's the point of that whole fight is seeing him push through his limits, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the season one. Season two, you have the sports festival. Uh, it's just a competition where all the kids get together and they show off their quirks and how to use them in unique ways to get through multiple tasks. You have Todoroki's childhood trauma. You have the internships. This is where you meet Gran Torino, uh, who mm -hmm. is like All Might. He was basically like his teacher at one point. Um, so you have Gran Torino. Then you get the Stain arc, who's a hero killer. And this guy hates heroes, but he also doesn't side with the League of Villains. They try to use him and try to bring them on uh, their side. They try to bring Stain on their side, but Stain is just like, I'm actually not on the same mission that you guys are on. Um, so you have that whole arc. And then yeah, Stain you hates heroes because of what they've become. He thinks he likes 
pure heroes like say All Might. He yes. hates the corruption and capitalism like of heroes. Money where and stuff like that, like they do things just for money, and he doesn't like that nonsense. Uh, so yeah, Stain. There's the Stain arc, and then in this arc in season two, All for One is mentioned for the first time, and to me that is a big deal because up until this point, you don't really know where the League of Villains like at the top, like who's at the top of this shit, right? Like you also don't know that All Might's quirk has an opposite yeah like you don't know that there's just an opposite to it even though you might be able to guess i guess just based on the way it's named like one for all you might be able to guess like all for one is a thing but it, it you get it gets revealed so early like season two is pretty early on it gets revealed that there is an anti- antithesis to one for all and so for the first time in season two all for one is mentioned and you find out that basically the story is he had a little brother who he thought didn't have a quirk so he gives him a quirk uh, that allows him to stockpile power. Come to find out, the little brother actually did have a quirk. The quirk is to pass down quirks to other people. So I know that's kind of confusing, but essentially he has a quirk that can allow him to transfer quirks, even though it doesn't do anything on its own when you think about it. Uh, he can keep transferring it technically, so I can keep... Like, eventually I could transfer my quirk to someone, and that person, if they already have a quirk, can then transfer my quirk that I gave them and also whatever they had to someone else. So it kind of cultivates power. But in order to be able to do that at all, uh, he needed all for one, the older brother, the, the evil guy to give him the quirk to stockpile power. So that's what, that's basically what one for all actually is, is a combination of like two quirks, the ability to pass down and also the ability to stockpile power. Anyway, you find out about that. And then they have final exams, final exams. We talked about this in a previous episode. All it is, is them fighting against the teachers, but the teachers all have limiters on. Yeah. Uh, and they have to find unique ways, not to necessarily beat the teachers, but to put a handcuff on the teachers or to get through a gate. And if they get through the gate, they succeed. Uh, so, yeah, that's a really cool arc. And we talked about how insane it was that Bakugo and Deku end up having a fight against All Might. And he is fucking. When I saw that shit animated, he is <laughs> absurd. Mind you, he's at so. He's at such a detriment with the limiter being placed on him and not being able to go as hard as he actually can. Mind you, he's also technically dying and his yeah. quirk is also slowly transferring into Deku still. So like, as that's happening, as Deku is getting more in tune with the, the quirk, he's losing the quirk at the same time. Yeah. At the end of this arc, season two is the scene that Kenny brought up earlier. Shigaraki in a mall. He pulls up out of nowhere in a hoodie. No one knows who it is. And he puts four of his fingers around Deku's neck. And he says... How many people do you think I could kill before you can actually get the heroes here? And that shit, the tension. So this is another thing I was talking about earlier, <laughs> with the reason why I think they do it better than Marvel tension, the tension in that scene, when he's like, if I put five fingers on you at any point, my quirk activates. So you find out how his quirk works. Like, how is he able to touch something? And it's not decaying. Well, it's because he doesn't have all five fingers on you. Once he puts five fingers on the decay activates and he's able to literally kill you in an instant, basically. So he says, how many people do you think I can kill in this mall? before you can run and get heroes that can actually deal with me like how long do you think it will take how many do you think i can get 30 50 maybe 100 and as he's saying that deku's looking around all the people they're carefree they're literally people in the mall like me and you just living their life just living they have their no life. idea that a fucking a terrorist a, a serial killer murderer, is just like a sitting there yes very serial killer-esque so as he's saying that it's a very scary scene because i was like yo what he's saying is so fucking true like if he just went on a killing street right now sure he even said it like sure you guys will stop me eventually and i will be apprehended but how many people you think i can kill and that he knows that the thought of that specific thing like yeah 
I will give myself up. I'll be in prison and everything, but I will kill so many people before you can stop me. And that, because of the character of Deku, that drives him crazy. That's torturous to him. Like the thought that I can't do anything to stop this guy and he's going to start killing maybe 30 people at the, on a low end is wild. Because all he has to do is put five fingers when you die. Yep. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't actually end up killing Deku right there. And that's pretty much the end of that season. So that's season two. Now, again, the turning point for me is season three because they go on a secret training. They go on a secret training in the mountains and it ends up getting leaked to the villains. And so this is when you find out that there may be some kind of spy or whatever within yeah, the organization. Almost every time the heroes at this point, like there's been all these events that have happened and then somehow the villains keep becoming privy to it in one way or another. And this yeah. happens again. And this is where they finally go. Like there must be a spy yeah. like amongst the heroes. Like there has to be a spy. So they say it's a spy between the heroes or a spy in the children. Yeah. And uh, so that so they go on a secret training in the mountains. And of course, it gets leaked to the villains. The villains show up, and there's this one fucking muscle quirk dude that honestly looks a bit like Bakugo. Dude, I thought, I was like, I guess that's Bakugo. Like, you know, as I'm going through this, I was like, is that Bakugo's dad? I like, swear that guy was going to be related to Bakugo. He looks like an older Bakugo, uh, but he's huge. He's like His quirk is muscles, literally. So he, you know, they've run into this kid named Koda, who he does have a quirk, but he doesn't really like uh, heroes because of what happened to his parents. Both his parents died being heroes. So these are. This is another way of developing the world. This is like world building. Because how would a how would a kid feel if both his parents were police officers, but they both died in a line of duty? Yep. Like he was. Go ahead. He looks at it as like heroes are stupid. Like these heroes, like you guys have a family. You guys have yes. children. You went out and you, mind you, you're a child, right? So like if you're a child and your parents went out and died, and your parents were gone all the time, went out and died saving other people, it's like. You guys didn't care enough about me to stay here with me. Like I need yep, you. You're my exactly parents. That's exactly how he felt. He felt abandoned by them. The fact that they would do a dangerous line of work and be killed. He doesn't understand like why heroes do what they do. So that is great world building because you can imagine a lot of heroes have children and a lot of heroes have passed in their line of work. They're basically the police officers of the world, and I get it. Like I like my my family. I don't have many police officers in my family, but Kenny, his, like his father, is. A police officer yeah, like that is I said this, I don't remember what episode, but um I I brought this up before. I remember being a kid. Now I never resented my dad for being a cop. It's something that I thought was cool. Like and but my point is is like I remember being a kid, maybe like six or seven years old. This is when you know I still believed in God, but I remember praying every like every night before you go to bed, you'd like say prayers, right? Yep. And I remember every night praying, like, hey, God, make sure my dad doesn't die like out being yeah. a cop because like he'd be out working till 12 and 12 at night or 4 a.m and i remember going to bed six seven eight years old praying that like my dad doesn't die yeah and think about that though so you were fortunate enough to where your dad is still alive and well to this day but it could have easily at any point gone wrong and you could be fatherless because of his line of work and that can affect people in different ways. So on one end, a kid could be like, okay, my dad was a hero. He died yeah. being a hero, and I want to follow after him and become... That happens to people. They That's understandable. Follow, they want to follow after and become exactly like their father. They're like, I want to honor him by doing what he did, because I think that what he did was a great thing. It could also traumatize... And then there's, and, yeah, then there's the other side. They could also traumatize the fuck out of you. And make you resent your father for his line of work and resent police in general because you feel like, you know, you guys don't even accomplish anything. There's all types of 
uh, hateful rhetoric towards police officers that I don't need to even repeat here, but you guys get the idea. And that's what makes my hero again, believable. Like I believe it because there's this kid who's an orphan walking around and he resents heroes because of his parents and Deku could easily hate heroes because he was born quirkless and like, oh, fuck you. I don't, I didn't, you know, people, when they don't, when they get rejected from something, they hate yeah. it. Like, for example, a guy cat calls a, a girl. You weren't all that hot anyway. Like, you weren't right. hot anyway. Fuck you. Ugly looking you ain't even all that good looking. Yeah. Like, you know how guys at one point they try to talk to a girl and a girl pays them dust. And then the guy gets angry about it. Instead of just being like, okay, I'll just try with another one or whatever. They give up and they immediately result. It results in like resentment and anger. And so, yeah, in a world where 80% of people have quirks and you're born without one, you could easily see how somebody would be like, I fucking hate people who have quirks. Like I hate them. I'm because je it's jealousy. At the end of the day, it's like jealousy, which ends up evolving over time. Um, so yes, Coda is a really cool character. He's introduced in season three. And anyways, the, the villains are there and come to find out they're targeting Bakugo. They're there to actually get Bakugo. And it's because they watched a sports festival and they saw the way he was and the fact that he had to be literally restrained and put to sleep with Midnight's quirk in order for him to accept being first place because he didn't like the way he won because Shoto basically gave up. Uh, Shoto could have maybe beat him, prob probably beat him, honestly. But Shoto, at the very last minute, decided not to use his fire side or whatever. And so he kind of like gave up. And uh, Bakugo was pissed. And so Bakugo was freaking the fuck out. Like, and everybody's looking at this kid, like, what is wrong with this kid? The League of Villains is looking at, it like, that's the one. That's the one that's we can the get one. to turn. So they come there to capture him. And they, they don't succeed. But in all of that uh, fighting and stuff, Deku goes like, 1000%. He's been doing all kinds of shit. He goes 100 he goes over 100% or whatever to beat the muscle guy. And it's a really cool and well animated scene. I love it. The way he's about to be crushed literally by the overpowering muscle dude and he just like with his back bent, he comes back up with all of this green electricity and all of this tenacity and just like punches this guy into a fucking mountain and I thought that guy was dead. Like dude, the animation on this moment was dead. so fucking sick this is another one of those things where it's like the animation was insane it was the animation i want to make a, a quick note this is a, a debate that i've seen people have i do not believe he really used a thousand percent or a so. million it percent it killed him yeah uh, people say like deku used a million percent i it was more so just like he was amping himself up like he yeah, was yeah. like he was like, I'll, you know what I mean? Like it was, his body it was can't you. actually handle a, a hundred. So let alone yeah. like a million is like, okay, like he can't actually handle that. He was but. just, he was saying that to like motivate himself, push. Yeah. Like that was him essentially saying that to go beyond plus ultra. Like that yeah, was just him how yelling amping up. gives you a nap, like yelling in yep. real life. Okay. So come to find out they were targeting Bakugo. They do not completely succeed because they tried to capture, uh, Tokoyami, I think is his name, the 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 bird uh, taco looking yeah. character. They try, they they end up capturing in these little orbs of the magic guy's quirk. They capture Bakugo and Tokoyami, and Deku attempts to be heroic and save his friends. Now this is where it really fucked me up. Deku fails in retrieving both. He does get one. He he retrieves Tokoyami's orb, but Deku's orb, the god does a sleight of hand trick, and he's leaving. He's like bye bye. He he gets away. He gets away. So all the villains like skedaddle into portals. You know that no one can chase them at that point. Like they skedaddle, and they actually have Bakugo. And when they leave, because Deku was using everything he had, like he already did. He already fought the muscle guy, right? So he's already fucked up. Deku used whatever he had left in a tank, 
to try to save Bakugo and fails when the villains leave the reaction he has when he falls on all fours and he screams, bro, I felt that shit. He's like crying because he hates that he couldn't save someone. Like it's such a paramount part of his character and it's, you feel it. Like when he's screaming and everyone's there, all the teachers are there who also like, you know, they couldn't do anything. He's literally screaming. It's, this is like, it's important to see because you can make the argument like, hey, if he didn't waste, in quotes, waste his time saving Koda, yes. he could have saved Bakugo. You know what I mean? Yep. But like, Deku, Deku's not the type of person to choose between two people, even if the other person is his best friend. He or, you know, best friend, sort of. Yeah. Um, Love hate relationship. But he's that is gonna, one of his closest friend. Like, somebody you grew up with, so you guys might have drifted apart a bit, but like, you know that man. Yeah, but he's going to save everybody he can. He's going to save this kid that's right here in front of him and save Bakugo and save everybody else. And, like, he fails to do that, and that fucking destroys him. And once again, it's like he's crying here, but he's not a crybaby because to to jump ahead, a similar thing happens when All Might, like, All Might ends up coming and he fails to save Bakugo in a moment. And then he's, like, the screen, it's it's scary. Like, it's not even, like, just (laughs) heartbreaking. Yes, it is. The face and the art on All Might's face when he fails to save Bakugo in, in like the one instance is fucking terrifying. Yeah. So go back uh to go back to finish what you were saying. So when he's crying, that is a re- like that's a legitimate reason. If one of your friends got captured by some fucking guys and you don't know what they're gonna do, you don't know what their plan is. Like if it's like it's not clear what they plan to do to Bakugo. They could be torturing him until he gives up secrets or whatever, then kill him. It could be anything. And Sh- Shigaraki's already said some crazy shit to you, so you feel like coming off the of season two, the mall scene, you feel like, yo, they could kill my friend and then leave his body parts scattered around. Anything could happen. The worst is going through your head. And at the end of the day, you couldn't save him. So that's a big character development moment. It initiates the Bakugo retrieval arc, which I thought was going to take way longer because I thought that Bakugo was going to go through this whole intense thing through several chapters and several episodes where he's slowly being coerced into being a villain. That's what I thought at the time. Come to find out, <laughs> they show you all of the villains surrounding Bakugo while he's tied up, and I'm trying to coerce him, and he's just cursing him out. Like, literally, profanity. Like, you <laughs> fucking shitheads, I hate all of you. Untie me right now so I can show you what for, you fucking assholes. Like, he's <laughs> going ham. And they're like, yo, this guy is crazy. He's a little firecracker, literally. Anyways, I thought that it was going to take much longer, but Deku and Lita come up with a plan that they're going to go save Bakugo, even though they were told to stand down, like the adults are going to take care of this, because now a child has been kidnapped and everything that happens with the heroes is aired on the news for better or for worse. So like parents hearing that a child, like especially a child with parents and everything, like not some orphan kid, like your child was literally stolen from school, like kidnapped from school uh, out on some kind of secret mountain expedition that would scare pretty much every parent in the world to make them want to withdraw their children from UA. So it's really a bad look. It's a bad look. And also people got injured. A lot of the teachers got injured. At one point, like, uh, Dobby showed up and was fucking with Eraserhead real bad. It was bad. Like, they, people got fucked up in this in its entire arc. So this is a really good arc. And like I said, this is the turning point for me. Right after this, with the whole Bakugo Retrieval arc, um, All Might and the heroes, like the top 10 heroes, literally show up immediately to the hideout where the villains are. They, like... Got the information real quick of where they were hiding out at, where they had Bakugo, and I thought that it was going to be... A, I, thought, I thought the arc would end. I thought season three would end before they do anything about it. Yeah. 
Like I I did. Because that's just the pacing of typical shonen. Is that if somebody gets captured, like Sasuke got captured, and that shit wasn't resolved for three years. The next time we see Sasuke was fucking three years. Like Sasuke went through a three-year time skip. So I was like, oh God, Bakugo is probably not going to be seen again until he's actually evil. Like the next time I see him, he might be in all black. And I said his quirk, this is great writing. His quirk is designed to be evil. Yeah, yeah. His quirk he's is fucked a, up. His quirk is a terroristic quirk. Like it is a perfect quirk to be an evil guy. So I thought the stage is set. This is going to be the most cliche manga anime ever. The guys, one of his best friends slash bet, you know, one of his closest friends is going to become an evil guy. And I've seen this already. I was so ready for it. Then not even like two episodes later, they stormed the hideout and they fucked the villains up so bad that at one point Shigaraki, while his whole crew is being destroyed by all might, he's saying in his head, why are you here? You're not supposed to be here. You're the last boss. This isn't fair. This is not how the game is supposed to go. Because he has this weird thing, kind of like L and Nier and Mellow, how they all have these little quirks. He has this quirk where he considers everything that's going on to be a game, which I like about yeah. him too. And like, we are approaching an hour and a half in this episode, and I feel like there's so much to say about my hero. But There is, man. Shigaraki has this thing where he thinks everything is a game. And his boss, all for one, also treats everything like a game. And so when... All Might shows up, he's raging at the thought that, imagine you're playing a video game and the last boss literally shows up at any random encounter that you have, like you're just in the field fighting a random boss, an RPG, you're fighting a regular enemy, and the last boss of the game, while you're at level 5, shows up up. and just one-shots you, and like, what the fuck, bro? Like, that's not fun. That's not how this is supposed to go. You are literally the strongest guy in the world from his Shigaraki's knowledge. Like, you're the strongest in the world. And honestly, at that point, he still was. And it's like, why the why do I have to deal with you? I'm a kid. I'm trying to start my league of bills, my little play league or whatever. And you're the fucking final boss. Like, that's not fair. So he rages. But at the same time, and I love saying that because of Hunter Hunter. Hunter Hunter made at the same time sounds so fire. <laughs> at the same time, you get your first inkling, like your first reveal of all for one in person and what he can do. And it is wild. So best genus meets all for one in an alleyway and best genius is the number four hero in the world so he's very strong and my man gets fucking one shot like he gets one shot with the quickness and when he gets one shot all for one says some crazy thing like uh i'm surprised you survived that and only thing that you suffered was every one of your bones is broken and all this other crazy shit like yeah. he, he fires a blast out of mind you we didn't know at the time what his powers were I was like, what the, what did he hit him with? Like, you don't even know what <laughs> actually happened. You just see a blast of like air kind of fire at, in best genius's direction. And it, the next time you see him, he's just in rubble. Like he's covered in rubble, bleeding, unconscious. And apparently all his bones are broken and shit like that. Like he's, he's done. Mm-hmm. And, and all from was like, I'm surprised you're not dead from that. I'm surprised you were able to take that without dying. Anyways. So all from one is ridiculous. And he shows up to kind of assist Shigaraki, he's like, listen, as long as I'm here, the whole point is that you can try, you can reset as many times as you need to. Like, don't worry about it. Every time you fail, I'm here to pick you up and reset the stage. And it literally talking to him in video game terms. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm and also him. like a like a father almost. Like he's yes, he he's saying like him. no matter what happens, like I'll always be here, I'll pick you back up, you'll be able to try again. And it's just so it's so interesting because on one end, it's such a motivational, heartwarming thing. Like, he's, I'm there for you, no matter what. Yes. Like, I'll always be there for yes. you. To, 
get up and do it again. But it's also fucking terrifying and sinister because they're not talking about becoming the best basketball no. player. They're, no. talking, they're talking about fucking killing people on the planet yes. and like dismantling society as we know it. Like they're, they're talking about awful shit. It's great. I love the fact that he would talk to him. Like you said, like he's trying to motivate a kid to be a better basketball player. Like you can fail. It's okay. Just keep practicing. But that is how he's talking to him, but also in video game terms. So anyway, uh, Bakugo gets teleported away. And this is the scene you were talking about where all my feels like he failed because Bakugo is not in his possession. Like he, he failed to uh, completely secure him again. And so all for one has Bakugo and all might arrives at the scene and this is this is we've brought this up multiple times now this yeah, is one a bunch of the, different episodes this is one of the craziest fucking things i've seen in anime like i love it because even though they're not on the level of like goku and beerus or like end of series naruto and sasuke um within the verse though the power level that you see when all for one and all might actually fight is wild from the very first punch like all might comes in with a punch and literally off of one grabs both of his hands and he says you're late like you've gotten slower <laughs> but the way he grabs both of all might's hands up until this point all might's punches have been so outrageous that he could punch at something like in episode one when he fought the slime monster he could punch at something and kill it so yep, when he blow it apart so when we he saw when he in in uh the one season like we mentioned um when he's doing the exam and he's all weighted down, yep. he fucking punches down a city block and the buildings start to like crumble. Yes. Like, <laughs> the buildings start to like kind of like crush a little bit. Like, and they, the wind blows. Like, he's absurd. Yes. So when you see him angry, because he just yelled really bad because Bakugo, like, wasn't, again, procured by him, he's angry at this moment. And he comes in, we've not gotten to see him actually this angry. He comes in pissed. And so you know that he's pretty much gotten an amp because like angry people tend to be stronger. Uh, but all for one grabs both of All Might's hands, zero difficulty. And only thing that happens is he kind of slides back a little bit, but he fully captures All Might's blow in both his hands and then taunts him and starts talking shit. So I immediately tension 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 because i'm like this guy has to be outrageous like this guy has to be so fucking unreal to be able to do that immediately it shows you how believable it is because first of all we know that this is the guy even though all might won we know that this is the guy that permanently injured all yep. might however many years ago yep. and then on top of that even with that aside in any situation it's like um I've heard people say this about Dragon Ball Super. Sometimes it's hard to, get, to take Dragon Ball Super seriously because we know that at the end of the day, above Goku, there's Beerus. So like, no matter what the threat is, yeah. like Beerus is there. And so yeah. it's like, That's true. is it really a threat? So Similar in My Hero, it's like, no matter what the threat is, All Might is there. And so when, when All Might shows up, though, and you see that like right off the rip, He's struggling. This, ain't, this ain't gonna go the way you think it's gonna yeah, go. You're it's like, like, oh, shit. And also, I just want to say this too, because uh, I saw the anime for this before I saw the manga for this particular part where they first fight. And I still think this is one of the best fights in all of it. I think this is one of the best parts in anime is yeah, these yeah, yeah. two, the first time they meet is so epic because it's been it's built awesome. up, but it's like, you didn't expect it to happen this early and it has so, yeah. the stakes are so high. The voice acting though, 
of all for one with that fucking helmet thing that he has on the way he sounds when he talks is so evil he sounds (laughs) like a villain like if i had to ever think about what the quintessential villain sounds like all for one sounds like the quintessential villain (laughs) in japanese my man sounds terrifying he sounds terrifying he sounds so sinister so evil he has this really ignorant and fucking rude ass laugh like his laugh is just the most ominous shit you've ever heard and he also kind of speaks not even kind of he just blatantly talks down to people mm-hmm. um but they start fighting and that's a big epic moment at, i'm not going to go over a, a recap of the whole fight but a lot of things happen at the end of it all might does win but he wins at the cost of using the last embers of uh, all for or one for all so he uses the last embers of, and they even show it in this really cool way. It's like a blizzard. You oh, see a yeah. naked version of All Might in his emaciated body form. So where he's like really skinny and fucked up. You see a small, small, small All Might uh, and in a blizzard with this tiny, tiny flame in between his hands. He's just like trying to cultivate it, trying to keep that ember alive as long as he can. Yes. And so in order to protect everyone, because at this point, if he loses, it could be honestly the end of everything. Like be, losing, yeah. losing catastrophic. Here, it would be catastrophic if he lost here. So he gives it his all, and he is also very injured at this moment, too. In fact, it's so much to the point where he can't even hold his form anymore. Part mm. of his form is he's like half half emaciated, half like bulk. Yeah, he can't even keep the full buff form. Yeah. He's half fucked up. His He looks like so messed up. And, the, and by the way, for some reason, this is being televised. So like the whole world is watching yep. this fight. Yep. This is being televised. And then People have never there's seen him like, like this either, by the way. Deku is the only person who's seen him like this. Yeah, and so there's like an awesome moment where like, even through all of this, there's like this random lady that he happens to like like uh, save from like being absolutely killed. He yeah. like stops a, a blow from killing her and destroying her. And it's just beautiful. And um, he gets, yeah, he gets really, yeah, he gets really, really fucked up. And uh essentially he's always been known as a symbol of peace so this is why again i call this season the turning point because up until this point all my has always been a symbol of peace and everyone basically can live freely with the understanding and the belief that if anything got too bad all might is always around yep okay it's the same thing in naruto or baruto i should say where like naruto and sasuke exist so things can never go too wrong right and that does create a problem because it's hard to believe any any sign of danger is a real sign of danger. But in this case, this is the guy, like you said, who's injured All Might. So the stakes are really high. He yeah, ends that's up what I was winning. Say. I was like stuttering because I couldn't. There was something I was trying to say because I had the thought and I, yeah, I forgot it. That happens. Um, once again, we know from the beginning, we didn't get to see this fight, but All Might and All for One, they fought in their quote unquote prime. All Might wins and he's permanently injured, loses like half of his internal organs, right? So this happens again. They fight again, and All Might wins again, but he he always wins at a huge cost. And the cost this time is like All Might wins, but now he loses all of his powers. And what's even more heart unsettling about this is All for One doesn't seem pressed that he fucking lost. Yeah, it's actually kind of wild. <laughs> like... This this entire little arc, because season three is actually so long, like the number of things that happened in a season are, are wild. This is only the halfway point, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're running into the end game boss on both sides, like Shigaraki mm-hmm. from his perspective. He ran into the end game boss. And then on the hero side, they ran into the end game boss. And both of them are real. Like both of them are actually too real for the other side. So mm-hmm. in this fight, or I should say at the end of it, 
uh, the way he does the little trick, um, United States smash, United States of smash that like switching what part of his body's bulked and everything. Epic, beautiful. I'm sure Kenny loves that part. My best friend also fucking absolutely loves United States of smash. One of the best things he's ever seen. Also for me, like it's honestly top 10, like as far as anime fights, he hit him with all 50 states. So good. <laughs> hit him so, with all 50 of them. So good. But at the end of it, the symbol of peace thing is all my all might is holding up his, his arm. And he says, You're next. And the whole world is seeing him in his emaciated form now. They're seeing him not buffed up. He looks terrible. He's his clothes are all tattered and fucked up. And there's like, who is that? Is that really all might? So people are genuinely shocked and honestly afraid that this is the guy that's supposed to be tasked with protecting him from here on out. And he says, you're next as though he's passing the mantle. He's talking to obviously to Deku, but he also knows that when he did the United States of smash, that was the last embers of his quirk. So he, he's basically quirkless now. And they kind of showed us a little after this where he, he says, I can go into my bulk form literally for a second. Yeah. And then like, I can go, like- but I can't do anything. Like they just want us to understand as viewers. Don't think that he might just have a little bit more in a tank. He doesn't like, he's actually, he has- just, that was there's good. no gas in the tank at this point. They kind of solidify like All Might is not a get out of jail free card anymore. Like yep. we've taken All Might off the table. Yep. And a, another awesome moment about that your next thing is I, I remember at the time before it goes a bit further and as it happened in the moment, a lot of the people in the world and the crowd they thought that your next almost meant like you're next to the villains. Like I'm coming for you guys next. Yeah. And then Deku's sitting in the crowd because Deku knows exactly what he means and he's crying. And this is where Bakugo re- like fully realizes Deku and All Might's relationship because Bakugo looks at this and he sees Deku's crying, and this is where he realizes like because after this, I think it's like the next episode is when we get Bakugo versus Deku. Yes. Bakugo goes to Deku and he's like, he's like, hey, like you got your power from All Might, didn't you? And like he yeah. creates this this moment, and then once again another one of the best fucking fight scenes I've ever oh seen. Oh my like, god, dog. <laughs> The way he said, I'm not going to be your punching bag. Those two <laughs> fighting was so fucking insane. When he said, I'm not going to be your punching bag. Because at first I was like, oh, is he really just going to let Bakugo just tee off on him and not do anything? Because like, that is kind of an anime protagonist thing to do sometimes. Like, let your friend just yeah. be on you and not do anything. But man, I was not <laughs> expecting him to fuck him up like that. And once again, this goes back to something you said earlier about tension is that we have all this built up. We have the symbol of peace almost like falling, him officially passing the mantle to Deku, because a lot of times before this, he wanted Deku, without anybody knowing Deku had his power, to prove himself as a hero so that people would be ready to accept Deku. And so, like, this is kind of the point where Deku has to take up the mantle, and we've seen All Might kind of crumble now, all this shit, and now we get to this part, all this relationship between Bakugo and Deku. Now, they confront each other, and they're fighting... There's tension here. These people are childhood friends. Yep. They know each other. There's a back and forth. We slowly with each season learn a little bit more about Bakugo, why he's such a little asshat, and like how it starts to make sense. And like their fight, this is something that some series don't understand. A good fight scene isn't just being well animated and cool looking. Right. This is well animated and cool looking, but for all of that flash, what makes you really fucking hype and excited is that there's weight and tension. There's drama behind the fight. It's not just flashing lights and that drama, that tension really holds together and draws you in and makes you so much more interested in every little spin move and flip kick that ends up happening. It's a, uh, it's really epic. This is also the season where Deku learns that he could use his goddamn feet. 
for whatever reason, All Might never uses his feet. He everything is a punch with him, and so Deku naturally adopted the exact same fighting style using the same quirk. But they were like, "Yo, how can we develop new special moves?" And Deku gets the idea, basically from. And this is another thing I love about this character: he learns from the other classmates, like he learns from other people. So from Lita. The guy who literally his quirk is all about his legs and how fast he can go and stuff like that. And he has reciprocal bursts, all these cool things with his legs. He learns by combining Lita's technique with like some Ida, other stuff. Ida. He learns from combining Ida's technique with like other people that he can use his legs with like all like why couldn't he use his legs with one for all? Like obviously legs yeah, yeah. also hit harder than than uh fists. So he learns shoot style, as they call it. And so this is a big development for him as a character because it's something that All Might never did. And honestly, it's kind of crazy that All Might conquered the whole world with just his arms, but like, go off. That's just the kind of fighter he was, yeah. That's just how powerful he was. That just shows you got like, God, that quirk is not okay. It's, but yes. That's he, another interesting, realistic thing about Deku's intelligence, which is like we both said, he's smart, but there's always blind spots and tunnel vision in everybody, right? So even though he's smart and he analyzes things, there's like obvious things where he's like, why didn't I think of that before? Yes. And like, because he it always takes up like really high level shit. Yeah, and it takes like an epiphany moment where he goes, "Oh shit!" And like, it's and that happens in real life where you have an epiphany moment. And you're like, "Why did I not think of that a year ago?" You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? So the fight between Deku and Bakugo has a lot of development in it for both of them. Uh, mainly for Bakugo though, because at the time you didn't really know that Bakugo is actually a hardcore fan of All Might as well. Yeah, and so he's very, very jealous. Because a lot of things have happened uh, right after the whole all for one thing. They they have like the whole license test and Bakugo doesn't get his license. Like everyone yeah. else does except even, Bakugo, Shoto, and like one other person. Even before that, right? Because the fight's before that, right? No, the fight is uh the fight is after that. After the license test? Yeah, because remember Bakugo okay, is okay. angry that Deku is surpassing him. Deku yeah, yeah, yeah. is Deku is surpassing him in every way, and he also realizes that Deku has this quirk. Like yep. it's, it's multiple things compounding that's making him so jealous. It's like you're my rival, but you your quirk is actually and he started to off me. so far behind me and like yes. you're catching up. And now you've surpassed me. Like you have your license and I fucking don't have it. Like that's a big yeah. deal. Like that is a huge deal for him. So the fact that like Deku just walking around now, Deku is considered a hero. Like he has a, prov- he has a provisional license and Bakugo doesn't. So that's like, that's a slap in the face to someone who started off quirkless now having a quirk and also having a license before you. Then I'll come to find out the guy who you idolize secretly. And it wasn't a secret in the verse, but it was a secret to us. Like they didn't reveal it to us until now you find out that the toys they play with as kids, like Bakugo had toys of all might too. Um, yeah. Come to find out like Bakugo is a big fan of all might. So for all might to trust Deku with this quirk and everything, it makes him angry. And that's why he approaches him in the middle of the night. It's like, yo, I want to talk to you. Let's walk down the street. And then they end up getting into this fight. But that's that fight is like the second to the last thing that happens in the season. The last thing that happens in season three is the big three reveal with Mirio, Tamaki, and uh, Nedri. But yes, so chronological and, order, whatever. And during that fight, there's an awesome moment where, like you said, we we this is where we learned that Bakugo is a, a All Might fan, and this is where we see Bakugo cry, because he cries and opens up, and he says, like, All Might lost his powers because of me. Like, yep. I, got, I wasn't strong enough, because like, growing up, he always saw and idolized that and this is so cool this is why the villains couldn't turn bakugo 
Because Bakugo grew up watching All Might. No matter how many villains he was up against, no matter what the odds were, All Might always won. No matter how many people he was fighting. Yeah. And that's what Bakugo idolized. That's what he wanted to be. So when he's sitting there surrounded by villains, they're trying to turn code him. He's like, fuck all y'all. I'm going to take all of you the fuck yeah. out. Because that's what he idolized. And so that's why you could, even though he was a shithead and he was an asshat and he had a bad attitude, there was something under all that that we didn't understand yet. And that all came from a place of like, some part arrogance, but another part pride and uh, and then idolization of All Might. And he's not taking any of their shits uh, sitting down. And so he's crying and breaking down because All Might, his hero, and everyone's hero, has now lost his powers and it's his fault. He got captured and he wasn't good enough. And that's how he feels and, at, the, at the end of the fight. Uh, Bakugo does end up winning in the coolest fucking way. And then All Might shows up. All Might shows up and he stops. You know, he basically says, all right, enough is enough because that level of uh, force that you're using that you guys are using is now no longer friendly like it's gotten to the point where the next couple blows will somebody will die at this point basically um most likely bakugo because deku if he uses like 20 percent or 100 percent or whatever like it you know a, a kid just cannot so yeah it's to the point where he stops the fight bakugo's like all might you gave him your powers didn't you and so you know it comes out and they're gonna, he says i'm gonna keep the secret like I love, I love that Bakugo. He changes so much right here for us, but this is the person that he kind of always was. But he changes a lot for us because now we realize, like, oh, this is where it comes from. This is why he's always yelling and so angry at Deku all the time. He's jealous of Deku, and it's kind of like the same thing as Sasuke in a way, where he does want more power, but not at the sake of being evil. Where Sasuke yeah. wants it by any means necessary, and this is my mistake in believing that this was going to be a cliche shonen. I thought that Bakugo was literally a Sasuke clone. Like the way that they even set it up. I honestly think that the writer set it up to look like that. It, it might've been. Yeah. On purpose to make you like, cause at this point, Naruto's one of the most, like he knows. Yes. You probably, and, and it's Naruto. in the same magazine, right? Yes. Like it's in the Shonen Jump magazine. Yes. So it's like, you probably read Naruto. Like you yep. might think, you know where this is going, but yeah. And so at the end of this fight, he agrees to keep the secrets. I'm like, damn, that's actually really cool. Like, he's not even going to be an asshole about it. He's not going to go and tell everybody to fuck over Deku and, like, put all this shit on him. He's like, yeah, I want to keep the secret because I, that's the love I have for All Might and I, the respect I have for the decision that he made with this quirk. But he also tells Deku, your shoot style windup is too long. You need to correct that. And that made me love him so much because... He's obviously reluctant to help Deku in any way because that's his competition. But at the same time, the, the bigger goal is being a better hero. And I was like, wow, telling him that will make Deku even like if, if you think Deku's already ahead, that will make him even better. Like you, you helping him to improve because you just fought him and it, he yep. tried to use the shoe style, but it didn't work. And Deku just had the result of just using fisticuffs at some point. Right. But like he told him, you don't wind up on your attacks. It takes too long. You have you have crazy openings when you go for shoot style. And I love that because in the provisional license thing Deku was testing out the shoot style he was using it or whatever but you know it's strong because it's his legs but at the same time he didn't realize on his own that yeah when you go for that shit anybody who's fast or just like anybody who's experienced really is going to be able to exploit how long the attacks take to come out so they actually help each other at the end of the fight they both give each other advice on things they can improve upon and I love that and that's an important moment because what everything we know from Bakugo and like, you know, there's people out there that hate him because he's an asshole. That moment, it's a small passing moment. And it's like the subtext of it says a lot where we now know and see that the one of the big reasons why he's an ass hat and, and all this other shit is like he felt like he was so far ahead and he wants to be so far ahead. He wants to be the new All Might. Um, 
that Deku, somebody that was quirkless catching up, he feels like he's not moving fast enough, all this other shit. But throughout all of that, and throughout the frustration that he's holding toward Deku, he still goes, hey, this is how you can be better. Yeah, because I, lo- I love that moment. That moment was heartfelt as hell. That That shows so much more character, because in this moment, he knows that, like, it doesn't matter... Like he as his own self also has to get better. And so like I will there's not no lose. point. <laughs> yeah, there's no point in like oh, hiding man. it from Deku. Like it's just awesome. Like he takes a moment, helps him get better, he's gonna help himself get better, and like Yeah, it's, it's really a really good. big driving moment for him. And honestly, so again, season three is like one of the best arcs of my hero to up till this point. Uh just because of the development with all the characters and so much happens and all for one versus like all might fight. There's a lot that goes on. The end of this arc, and I think where we're going to end the podcast off for this section of My Hero, this is like, this will be part one of the My Hero podcast, because we are literally approaching the two-hour mark, and there are multiple seasons left after this one to talk about, I'm realizing. So we'll probably cover seasons four, five, and six after six concludes, and we can just like come back to it at that point. Um, But this season ends with the reveal of the big three, and me and Kenny, one of our absolute favorite heroes, probably like both of our favorite heroes. I mean, my favorite hero is Deku just because I relate to him a lot, but like close, close, close second is uh, Mirio. Mirio is in fucking sane. Mirio Togut, AKA Lamillion, dude. Yes. That the guy, man who will save a million. Like he is. That guy is so fire. And apparently there's like a lot of lore about him. And yeah, we can get into that in the next episode. I don't even want to, cause like even opening up, too much on yeah. that is like that'll be a half hour conversation just talking about Lamillion and what happens to him in season four and like the night eye stuff and yeah the, the next arc and the stuff oh man i love that shit so much i guess before we jump out i want to give like a quick talk about um so oh, yeah. there's this yeah, side manga called my hero academia vigilantes okay. um not many people know about it um, um it is written by it's not directly written by i think his name hoshi I forget the the author's name. It's not yeah. directly written by the guy that writes my hero. It's written by I think one of his like one of his other writers, like one of his guys. But it is overseen by him, and as far as I know, it is canon. Um, and he oversees some of the plots. Vigilantes is really good. Now I didn't read all of it. I didn't get current, but I read the whole first like arc or first saga. And it if there's like basically I read it because I was current with my hero at the time and like, yeah. I wanted more of my hero. If you really like my hero and you're interested in more facets of the world, check out my hero academia vigilantes. It basically, it's about the guys who don't get a hero. They don't get a hero license, but they still go out and like try to save people. And because they don't have a license, they're technically criminals. They're vigilantes. They're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to use their powers to save people, but you meet some really cool characters and see some really cool aspects of the world from this other side and it's just really interesting i don't want to say too much about it because i don't want to give any spoilers i know a lot of people haven't seen it i know fraser hasn't read it but as a side note something i would love for them to do is like we get a my hero academia season like uh once a year and it makes sense they want to give time for the manga etc i would love if it was like we got a my hero academia season and then six months later they gave us like a vigilante season like if they started adapting that manga and then, like, six months after that, we got, like, My Hero Prime again. I don't know. Vigilantes is really cool. Really heartwarming story. And um, yeah. there's just some cool quirks, cool aspects in there, cool fights, and really, really cool characters. There's a part. The reason why I stopped reading it was that I almost got, like, heartbroken. Like, the, the things that these shows can make you feel, there's a part. And 
that I got to the end of the arc and I was like sad. It was like that's how good it was, is what I'm saying. It's like yeah. I felt like deflate like you know how sometimes you get to the end of like a really good game or a good movie or a good TV show yeah. and you kind of like feel a little depressed, a little empty. You're and like, it's crazy because no one around you understands what you just experienced. Yes, no one gets it. And you're just like in a mood where you're like, fuck. And I got to the end of this arc and I just was like, damn it, man. And like it really like I felt it. And then I ended up not getting around. I'm going to get back to reading it eventually, but it, it made it so I, I didn't go on reading it anymore because like it was such a point for me. And I was like, holy shit. That's just to say that like this side story of my hero is also still really good and worth reading if you want some more of my hero content. Well, all right. Before we completely wrap up this episode, uh, I just want to give a shout out to the people who are supporting us over at Patreon because you guys are fucking awesome. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let me give a shout out to Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garrett, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, uh, Giovanni Avalos, Henri Reynolds, CJ, Dad one Saul at Dabber's Gaming Cafe, and also Dank Ritual. Dan Vrabel, Dennis Milburn, Joseph Marcello, First to Home, Dalis Fernares, S. Akuma, Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Demetrius Fafiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss, Nick Stengel, Scott Polera, Hansel, our two-time national champion, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sunny Top Cut Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins, Arale Melfi Slump, and Dominic Couch. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. If you guys want access to exclusive episodes that only drop on Patreon, or if you would like video versions of the podcast, uh, you can find that on our Patreon. So check that out. Also, we have a Discord server where people discuss like podcast suggestions. Honestly, at this point, our Discord server has everything. This morning, I was looking through it, like just looking at all the channels. There's a sports channel. I never go in there, but there's a sports channel. There's a fashion channel. There's like video games. There's a Game of Thrones dedicated channel, like a Marvel channel, TV shows, memes, Yu-Gi-Oh, like all type general discussion. Obviously, just a whole bunch. There's a ton of channels. And honestly, people just post in them all the time. And I don't yeah. always get to them. But like it's hard to keep up with all of them. For it, sure. it, there's a lot going on. But the good thing is, like, we're building a community. So there's just discussions happening without me and Kenny needing to be there for every single one of them. And I love that. Like people are just talking and I, you know, we jump in every once in a while to give our like two cents, but it's just really cool that we're building like this. I'm their podcast community. So if you want access to that discord server, check out our Patreon at the very lowest tier. If you want to support, you actually get access to it permanently. So like outside of you doing something crazy, but you get access to this discord server permanently by just joining the Patreon at the lowest tier. And then we have all these other perks for the higher tiers, like exclusive episodes and stuff. So if you're interested in that type of thing, check out I'm Their Podcast on Patreon.com. And uh, yeah, as I always say, guys, do the things that make you happy. We, we will be recording another My Hero episode to cover the next couple seasons and just to kind of talk more about this because I have a lot to say about some of the characters that come up later. And it's like a whole thing with them too. Like the way yeah. Night Eye feels, the way Muriel feels, and Chisaki, like overhauled, like the whole thing. Eri is a character her first smile like there's a lot actually there's there's a ton and then my that, villain academia is a, an entire thing in itself just as a quick as a quick thing on that note uh and if you've seen it you've seen it the um, the school festival which is a part that a lot of people i've heard don't like the school festival and the song they play and then like Ari's first smile when i tell you like tears like i i felt it man like i legit teared the fuck up like that that moment and then even a jiro the song she's singing and like the little flashback that it has where she's like sees her parents and yeah. see Ari and, and all of that stuff man like it it hits me fucking hard i really liked 
the whole uh, festival thing. I like Gentle Criminal and that whole, like, the power of love. That entire thing, and then him getting the, the long range attacks. Again, you can see just by us trying to speed through a little synopsis of how much content there is there. And mm -hmm. I, I just think it would be a disservice to try to cram that into another, like, yeah. half hour and skipping of this. All of that skipping the whole arc that came before yes, the ship. Yes, there's a, there's a whole arc there. And it's like, and we don't necessarily recap literally everything that happens, but we kind of talk about like this, this episode, I'm actually proud of us. We talked about concepts more than we talked about just like trying to make sure you guys know everything that happened because assumedly you have already read or watched My yeah. Hero. So like a recap is nice to just hear like, oh yeah, I forgot that happened. But it's also more so let's drive these points home. Let's drive these like, concepts home about the characters and how we feel about them how we feel about deku as a person how we feel about bakugo and all might and a symbol of peace and like the symbol of terror and all these things so i yeah again i'm really proud of just the way we were able to handle that without just Same. literally giving a recap there's a hundred recap youtube videos out there and uh this is not meant to be that so uh but we will be talking about the other seasons because the characters develop more and they become more yes, believable and more human. And like, they go through all types of shit and the Todoroki family still goes through more nonsense. So it's just, it's a lot, but it's good. It's good stuff. Anyways, do the things that make you happy. We're getting the hell out of here. Go beyond plus ultra.